live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Well, why don't we start with this? I've got a thing. I've been talking about this lately. My new thing in life is I'm not going to complain about anything, ever, nothing, or at least that's the goal. This is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to never complain about anything ever again. And right now is a very good time in sports to stop complaining because what is there to complain about? Look at the sporting calendar. Between March Madness and opening day, crunch time in the NBA and NHL, it almost feels like we don't even deserve the Masters right now. Like, it's too good to be true. But the fact is, it is Masters weekend. Fact is, they're already on the course. Yeah, I'm not complaining. Especially about that. In fact, I love it. I absolutely love it. The Masters is already underway. Alvi, logins. Masters theme, right now. Please. Psst, please. Thank you. Please. Thursday at Augusta. The first round. A tradition unlike any other. Hell yes. Hell yeah. And I have to say, this Masters, while it's always a tradition unlike any other, especially this one. Because there has never been dueling tours at the Masters before. There has never been a rogue group of rebel defectors roaming around Augusta National wearing cheese-tastic team logos that have nothing to do with the event at all. It is the 87th Masters, but the first one with any nonsense like this. Now, just to be clear, again, it's part of my new approach to life. I am not complaining. I am not complaining about the livers. Not at all. In fact, the presence of the livers at the Masters is making an already incredible thing even better. I'm all about it. I'm all about the passive aggressiveness and the awkwardness. And the shade and the tension, the more the better. Let's get extraordinarily awkward with it. Awkward. Let's get weird this weekend. Let's get weird. I only wish the dudes who are actually beefing with each other would actually just beef with each other. Like, I hope the passive aggressiveness becomes full on aggressive aggressiveness this weekend. Because so far, we're not getting nearly enough of that. We're not getting nearly enough of that. In fact, most are trying to downplay it altogether. And I also understand that. It is the gentleman's game. It would go against the decorum and the tradition at Augusta. Everybody has way too much respect for the tournament to get into any petty drama. I mean that literally, actually. Everybody does have too much respect for this tournament. They need to cut that out. They need to get at each other's throats. We all love the Masters. We all love the Masters. I, this Jungle Tourette's thing has even got me. How did that happen? That's we the stupidest song ever. Th- that popped into my head when I said we all love the Masters. We all love the Masters. Thanks, Alvy. We we always have, and we always will. 
And we'll always hate that song, and we always will. But the thing is, though, Alvin, thank you. Thank you. We do all love the Masters, but you know what else we all love? Beef, grade A, premium cut. Is this the beef jerky? Bone in, beef, Angus. Thankfully, not everybody is playing totally nice. Not everybody. I mean, I'm not saying this guy's making any trouble per se, but not everybody is downplaying it. Liver Joaquin Neiman is actually doing the right thing. He's leaning into it. And I wish that everybody else would follow his lead. I really don't care if people like it or not about us. I mean, I think it's going to be more fun for us knowing that they hate us going to the mayors and beat them. So is that a little bit of a motivating Yeah, factor? 100%. I think since they give us the notice that we're going to be able to play the mayors, I was like, it's going to be so much fun. Just play four weeks, four weeks in the year against them and try to beat them. Hell yes. I mean, I respect that. I don't respect it, but I respect that, if that makes sense. You know, I, I don't respect it, but I do respect that. At least that guy's being honest. At least that guy's being real. Four weeks out of the year, we get to go over there and compete against them, and we want to beat their ass. The rest of the year, we just stack, 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 stack cash. Guaranteed cash. Rest of the year, we make it rain playing in tournaments that nobody really gives a damn about. And then four times out of the year, if we're lucky, they'll let us come over and we can try and beat their ass. Good for you, dude. I need more of that. That guy gets it. That's what we want to see. That's what we want to hear. You know what nobody wants to see? Phil running and hiding from the media and then showing up to the champion's dinner and refusing to speak to anyone. Phil Mickelson, the dude who never shuts up, did not utter a word apparently at the champion's dinner. Dude, you aight? You aight, Phil? Let's keep it real. Yo, Blink twice if you need help. I'm only half kidding. And something else, it's in your own best interest. If it's not too much to ask, dude, can you mix in a sandwich? Or 10? Do they not have food on the live tour? Are you not allowed to eat anymore, Phil? You know, toughen up. My man is acting weird, and he's looking way more weird. He's looking straight up ghoulish. The dude looks like he just saw a ghost. Hell, he looks like a ghost. He's acting like a ghost. Like he's all invisible and bleep. And hefty, well, much less hefty, manorexic and less hefty. Dude, since when is everything not about you? Since when? This dude shows up at the champion's dinner... And says nothing to anybody? Dude, I know that all that live cash didn't come with a gag order. What's going on, man? Why are you acting so weird? I know you're a blowhard and insincere as hell and pretty insufferable. But I still like that version of you a hell of a lot more than you being a mime. 
What's next? You're stuck in a plastic box routine? You holding on to the rope so you don't get blown away in the wind? Of course everybody hates mimes. And by the way, that's universal. We all do hate mimes. Everybody hates mimes. That's not original. I used to say that back in the day, and that hasn't changed. I've changed on a lot of my takes, but not that take. I hate mimes. Everybody hates mimes. Especially you as a mime. What gives, dude? Have a cheese and pimento sando. In fact, have 10 like you used to because you need them. Dude looks like he sold his soul and also like 60% of his body mass to the live tour. That liver looks like his liver failed three months ago, yet he never bothered to get it checked out. But enough about Phil and the rogue tour. Because we also get the goat this week. Or should I say the cat? In fact, you can see the cat right now, mate. You can see cat right now, mate. Tiger is on the prowl. Not really. Plus three through seven. We see cat, mate. He is three over through seven. He also says that he's not sure how many more of these that he has left in him. His glutes, for now are firing. He's, not, he's just not sure how many more tournaments are in those glutes. When you're playing this course, does it ever cross your mind this could be the last time? Yes, it has. Um, I, I didn't know. I mean, last year was kind of a... Um, I hear didn't know cat, if I was, was going to play again at that time. Uh, for some reason, everything kind of came together. And I kind of pushed it a little bit and I was able to make the cut, which was nice. And, we see cat, mate. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how many more I have in me. I see so, bogeys, mate. Just to be able to appreciate the, the, the time that I have here and, and cherish the, the memories. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. Anyway, give the guy this. It is pretty miraculous that, <laughs> that he's even out there on the loop, let alone actually competing in majors. But I seriously doubt that this will be his last one, but it might. It might. I mean, he did make it back from a horrifying accident that we, well, frankly, still have no idea what happened. But he could have died. Could have lost a leg. Could have died. And the fact that he's even out there is still pretty miraculous. Out there and on some level competing with, not in a golf sense, but for attention, with the actual star of the sport right now. Now, the actual star of the sport right now is not a guy that wants you looking at him or talking about him. He's not throwing off that vibe. That's not who that guy is. But that guy probably should be the main topic this week. You know, the number one player in the world, that guy. The defending champ, that guy. The guy who's trying to repeat. Nobody has repeated at the Masters since the cat himself back in 0102. I'm talking about Scotty Scheffler. He's been a machine for over a year now. And the bigger the tourney, the better this dude plays. If somebody else wants a green jacket, they're going to have to rip it off his back. 
Because that green jacket is the one thing that all that live tour paper is never, ever going to be able to purchase. Imagine how much they'd have to pay to get a green jacket. Billions. Billions. With a B. Billions. But they can't have one unless a liver steps up and beats Scheffler and the rest of the field this weekend. Hopefully, it's competitive. Hopefully, it's spicy. Hopefully, it's petty. Hopefully, it's passive-aggressive. No, hopefully, it's aggressive-aggressive. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. Masters weekend. And if you're wondering, the big head, James Kelly, will be in not today but tomorrow. And he's made a lot of money in recent years hitting the majors. So that's tomorrow. Let's make some money! And as far as Phil and the Live Tour go, to turn a phrase from left, left, the Laguna Beach bully, three-time smack-off champ, left, that left, to turn a phrase from left, Phil doesn't look like a liver. He looks like a dyer. That's something left would say, not me. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper or what's your beef? course i'm speaking of dan hurley dan it is great to have you on the show dan how are you homie it's great to be on man uh you know how big a fan i am my man mutual respect dan i'm i'm so glad to talk to you today congratulations i mean that really from my heart i would imagine it's been an absolute whirlwind week for you has it sunk in yet how does it feel yeah i'd say from you know from vegas uh you know you know just that the, the performance versus Gonzaga, you know, all the way through to today, um, you know, it's just been, a, you know, it's flown by. Um, it's been an unbelievable, really an unbelievable ride, the, the level that the team played at. Um, and, and the, you know, the, the people that we got to do it with, uh, you know, I just think, uh, you know, it's been years since, uh, since the UConn fan base had like, and love their team again. And, uh, you know, just uh, this, fan base, this fan base just fell in love with this team. Dan Hurley joining us. Dan, what about that? How about the coach? I'm guessing the coach fell in love with the team, too. In fact, I, I feel like you had a really strong feeling about this group even prior to that championship game and probably long before that. Is that the case? And why do you feel so strongly about this particular group of young men? Yeah, I, I just I think we knew in the summer that we had a deep team. And that we had some star power in 
in Jordan Hawkins, who is like the, the best shooter in the country. Um, you know, Dama Sinogo and, and Andre Jackson. We had a big three, and then you know we had you know we had two high level freshmen in, in, in Klingon and Caravan that we knew would make a big impact. They were big recruits for us, and then uh, we had the depth uh, with, with the transfers. Um, so we knew we had a team. I started picking the brain of you know, uh, you know even Coach K and you know, Jay Wright about you know how to navigate a season when you know you have a the top team really early on in the season. Um, and then, uh, you know, we won 14 in a row at one point in the year, and then we ran, we ran off six in a row at another point. Um, and that's what tournament plays all about. Like, are you good enough to go on a big winning streak? Dan Hurley joining us. You know, you mentioned a couple of guys, Dan, that you picked their brains up. I'm curious. I've asked a number of coaches this question after they won their first. So let me ask you. Does it feel the way you thought that it would? And then secondarily, do you feel any different now as a coach or as a person than you did the day before you won it all? I think as um, – no, that's a good question. No, I, it, it's not what you would th- – uh, it, for me, it's probably not what you would think, but I'm also not a normal person. You know, I, I'm, <laughs> you know just the way that we grew up, I think my dad uh, was never really – satisfied or happy he was always striving i mean you know the goalposts they're always moving so um i just think as a hurley that's how we are wired obviously um you know it's thrilling um and you feel that they still haven't lost that feeling of exhilaration um but you also too i think uh you know when you go on a when you advance through the tournament especially the way we did there were no uh it was straight execution it was high level play we didn't need any luck. Um, I think we will carry over the confidence from how well we performed in March uh, you know, into you know, the, the rest of my time here. Now, Dan, it's just me on the outside looking in, but you know I feel really strongly about you, and I might be wrong. But And I know you're not looking for any sympathy whatsoever. I mean, you're not built like that. Your family's not built like that. Where you're from, that's not the way it is. I would just say it, it can't be easy, or maybe it wasn't easy for you to be you, not – considering who your dad is, not considering who your brother is, it couldn't have been easy, yet here you are on the top of the mountain right now. And having said all that, I know there's nothing but love, deep, deep love in that family. Let me ask you, now that you've won this thing, is the emotion 100% unadulterated joy, or honestly, is there a little relief mixed in as well? Yeah, I think it's it's never one thing. I think it's like a, you know, there's obviously a bigger mix of uh of some different emotions, I would say, you know, there, there is a satisfaction, um, you know, when you're, you know, when your dad is a hall of fame high school coach, maybe the greatest to ever do it. And your brother, two time national champion and, and a lottery pick and, and maybe the greatest college point guard of all time. Uh, you do want to carve out, you know, your, your own space in terms of achievement. So there's definitely part satisfaction um, you know, part joy. I was more emotional, to be honest with you, um, during the course of like the NCAA tournament, you know, just prior to even winning, I was, uh, you know, just getting emotional about the thought of, uh, you know, just really, and it sounds like coach talk, but it was such a team. It was such a uh, fun team to coach that I was like, I was getting a little bit sappy and sad that like, uh, I wasn't going to be able to coach him much longer because I just, I love the personalities and Klingon and Joey California. And it just, it was just such a fun team. I love Joey California. 
<laughs> I love that nickname. I love the kid. I love his game. I love that nickname. Dan Hurley joining us because I'm Jimmy California, so I like that. Hey, listen, is th- there's no doubt, Dan, this is a great, great team. But also from the outside, it seems like these guys were balling with a chip on their shoulder. Is that the case? And if so, where did that chip come from? Yeah, pre- you know, preseason, uh, you know, preseason unranked. Uh, you know, that, that definitely helped. With it. We, we utilized that, especially early on in the non-conference where we were, you know, just blowing people away. And then um, I think the fact that we went through, you know, the January that we went through where we, where we lost our identity, we, we lost a lot of games, and, and we had to kind of, you know, Andre Jackson grabbed the locker room around the throat and, uh, you know, kind of woke the team up and got them back to, they're doing the hard things well, and and um, I think that that January when people were throwing dirt on us, uh, that we were a fraud, and then obviously just coming into the year unranked. I think that was that that was the edge that we needed. Dan Hurley joins me for another moment or so. You know what? You said something I thought was really fascinating right after the win. Dan, you said that some people peak in their 20s, some in their 30s, some in their 40s. Maybe you will in your 50s because, quote, I certainly won't be coaching in my 60s. Are you, I, I mean, listen, dude, are you sure you won't be coaching in your 60s? And if so, why do you feel that way? Because it seems like you're just getting started. Yeah, I feel like, Jim, for me, my dad uh, modeled, like, the ultimate like responsibility, the way you should go about your your job as a coach, and like that you're on for your players, like like twenty four seven, like every month of the year. And I think, you know, as a high school coach at St. Benedict, sometimes I sent you know players to programs, um, you know, where they were, they promised them a, a player development experience or a development, and um, like the head coach wasn't. Uh, it wasn't always present. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it, it seemed to be, you know, like uh, playing a lot of golf or, or doing a lot of other things that didn't involve them being in the gym with their players or, or spearheading their development. So for me, it's like, you know, I, I give my, I give the job and my family everything I got. I don't have any other real interests. And I just feel like, um, you know, maybe when I get to my sixties, I'm not going to be able to give my players every single thing that I have. And I think once you can't give every single thing you have to your players uh, all year round, every day that they're on campus, you've got to let somebody else younger do it. You know what? I, I so actually I understand more, that. So if I still got the pop in my 60s, I'll keep doing it. Right. But uh, that's how my mind works. No, I get that. I get that. Really quickly. So, Dan, are you allowing yourself still to enjoy number five? Or frankly, have you already started to get to work on number six? Yeah, I'm on number six today. <laughs> no doubt. I, I, I'm going to enjoy it tonight. I'm going to go have some margaritas and some tacos. We'll get the staff together. We'll do, you know, we're going to celebrate at, at different moments. How cool is this? White House, um, you know, we get to do some cool stuff. We got the banner up in the practice facility. I mean, we're going to, we're going to pick our spots and, and have a great time. But we're also, too, once you experience that, the feeling of playing in the Final Four and winning – you know, you, you see where coaches get addicted to, uh, to to getting to those moments. So, if anything, this is going to make us even more maniacal in our pursuit of six. Listen, one last thought, Dan, really quickly. You you mentioned Bobby being arguably the greatest point guard in college basketball history, and arguably you're right, an amazing player. I want to make this point. You were a damn good player. 
Now, maybe maybe yeah. not Bobby, but you were a mm-hmm. damn good player, a really good player. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask you this. how? And I love Bobby, man. I love Bobby, too, like I love you. How much did this mean to Bobby to see what you just accomplished and to be able to share it with him, too? Yeah, more than people ever realize because I think for a long time, Bob, you know, took, took, you know, took responsibility for, you know, me not being able to live up to like uh, Mount Rushmore, you know, guard in, in basketball history at the college level. So I think he felt like really bad a lot of times about, about you know the the struggles I was having from a mental health or from a anxiety standpoint, um, you know I think it bothered him. So uh, I mean he came he flew to Vegas twice to see us play. Like he went back after uh, after Arkansas uh, went uh, you know went to my Arkansas game, saw me the night the night before the game, flew back, dealt with the portal, came back for the <laughs> came back for the Gonzaga game, came out to the Final Four. He was with me the whole way. Uh, uh, you know, he uh, he loved every second of it for me, and I think he wanted it. You know, next to my wife, maybe Bob Senior, maybe Mom, they were all they, they all wanted it for me, Dad. That's love, man. That's absolute love. Dan Hurley, national champion. Dan, really appreciate you. So happy for you. I mean, I'm I'm really so so happy for you. You earned it. You did it. And I appreciate you sharing your thoughts with us once again on the program. So have a few margs. I know you're already after number six, but really appreciate you, Dan. Thanks so much. No, honor to be on with you, man. You're you're uh, you're a legend, brother. Thank you. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right, everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. He is Austin Hooper. Austin, brother, what's going on? Via Zoom, no less. How you doing, dude? Good, good. Appreciate you for having me, Jim. It's been a while. It's been a while. Good to get caught up. Listen, I know you had options as a free agent, so obviously the obvious question, ultimately what led you to Vegas and the Silver and Black? What do you like about that opportunity? Yeah, I mean, Canada was the best opportunity for me available. And with that said, growing up in the Bay Area, being a Bay Area kid, growing up watching the Raiders, and once I kind of got that opportunity, it it made it, made it really easy for me. I'm curious when you're growing up in the East Bay and you are a Raider fan like who were some of your dudes on the team back in the day who were the guys you looked up to oh we're talking we're talking old school old school talking about Rich Gannon talking about Woodson talking about uh Tut I mean yeah the old school the old school Raiders for sure is what I grew up on then after that once they kind of fell off I kind of be honest with you I kind of fell off what was watching more college ball that's when USC was going crazy so I kind of Moved to the Pac-10, watched a lot of Pac-10 ball growing up, but, uh, you know, we're back now. I get it. Austin Hooper joining us. One thought, man. Charles Woodson, I mean, not to state the obvious, but, dude, how unbelievable a dude and a player and a presence was Charles Woodson. Oh, he's incredible. Absolutely incredible. I also, uh, fun fact about him, he started a whiskey company, too, oh, I know. and uh, supported yep. my experience. Uh, no, no, I, I Charles get Charles Woodson, the goat, on and off. Yeah, right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to step on you. Zoom, zoom, be like that, you know? No, he. I understand that. I know he did that. He's great. He just, man, he's just got that 
it. Like that dude's just he he goats everything he does. He's just one of those dudes. We're talking to Austin Hooper. Austin, I would imagine who is getting you the ball is pretty important when you go about making a decision like this. What about Jimmy Garoppolo? How much did that factor into your decision to go to Vegas? Sure. Uh, Jimmy has a track record of being a good player in this league, being an accurate passer, love throwing between the numbers, uh, finding his tight ends, and just has a track record of success. So once Jimmy came in the fold, along with Devontae and the other great pieces that are already on that offense, it, it just made it really easy for me to kind of just get in the fold and get in where I fit in. Austin Hooper is joining us. I'm going to ask you about that fit for you in a minute, but you mentioned Devontae. Hey, there are weapons now. There are weapons in that offense. Nothing is ever easy, but how much easier is your gig if you've got a guy like Devontae Adams out there? Absolutely. I mean, when you have him, Hunter Renfro, they just signed Jacoby Myers, the leading rusher in the leagues in the backfield. So, I mean, it, it makes your life a lot easier, right? You're looking at getting the third to fourth best man-to-man cover player. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it just gives you an opportunity to get a more ideal matchup than if you don't have a superstar like that outside the numbers. I mean, I was a beneficiary of that early in my career with uh, with Julio Jones, and Devontae brings that same kind of changing of the math ability where there has to be two accounted for him and just dictates coverage where safeties can't hold coverage as long at least not until the snap. They have to kind of dictate what they got to do because if they don't they leave them one-on-one, you got to show them why you're the best in the world. It's all about the math. Austin Hooper is joining us. So we talked, or you mentioned the fit. So in addition, some of the changes they make, right? They send Darren Waller to New York. They bring in O.J. Howard and you both. So you've got talent, definite talent in that tight end room. What's your sense as to how they're going to use you in what is clearly a pretty dynamic offense? What do you think it's going to be like? Yeah, my super light understanding uh, until I get to OTAs, this is really just just speculation based off what they uh, what what they're kind of saying. But just the ability to play in line in the slot, be the Y, be the F, whatever, wherever, however they need me to line up. Just kind of like my versatility has kind of been my biggest strength uh, since I've been in the league. So they're just gonna give me the opportunity to do a bunch of different things, whether it be in line, in the slot, outside the numbers, run game, pass game, just understanding the playbook, get ready to go. You know, in terms of all that, I would imagine, obviously you want the ball. You want the ball as much as you get the ball. Everybody does. But how much pride do you take in not only that versatility, Austin, but in being a complete player and being able to have an impact on the game without having the ball in your hands? Yeah, absolutely. It just turns into how good of a teammate can you be? I mean, there were, yeah. I mean, obviously, if you're any kind of pass catcher, the, of course, the name of the game is to get as many catches as possible. But it's not the ultimate goal. Like as a tight end, if you can be a part of a 100, 100, 150, 200-yard rushing game, like that means you're an active participant in the run game. You weren't just you know, backside cutoffs or something like you're actually in it, throwing hat, creating space for the running back. So I, that's something I definitely take pride in. And that's one of the times where it's like, okay, it's like you may not get involved that way, but you can get involved and help the team this way. All right. So how are you going to approach living and working in Vegas? Or maybe do you not live in Vegas proper and then pick your spots as to when you want to hit the strip? Fair question. Uh, I, I live out in, uh, I will live out in Henderson just near the facility. So, I mean, most of the time I'll be there from, you know, eight in the morning until five, six at night anyway. I'll definitely roll in the strip and have like a nice dinner once a week or, you know, someone 
someone I really enjoy, some artist is doing kind of like a chill show somewhere on the strip, I'll definitely check it out like maybe once a month or so. But, you know, there for a business trip, Jim. Dude, I feel you. Henderson's nice, man. Henderson's really nice. I would do the same. Here's a piece, though, Austin, of some unsolicited advice. I know you're not asking but I've seen this. Be mindful. And this is really, I'm not going where you think I'm going with this, but this is really kind of a, a personal thing. But be mindful of how you tip. And the reason I say that, there's a site or a blog or a dude called Vital Vegas. And it lit or he lit some raiders up for being bad tippers on the strip. I don't want anyone telling me how to spend my money, but I don't want Vital Vegas on your ass either, dude. Be careful, man. Be sure that you tip appropriately. You don't want that dude on your ass. That's useful information. I appreciate that, Jim. That's free game. Thank I, you. I knew it, dude. I knew. I knew you'd appreciate that. I'm just saying. I see how that goes. Hey, Hooper, uh, Austin. I mean, I was going to say also, you have that proverbial nose for the ball, right? Now you're a Stanford man, so if I nerd out with some advanced metrics, I know you'll be able to follow this. But you have the highest contested Mom. catch rate among all tight ends over the past five years. What do you attribute that to? Like, is that innate? Is that the work that you've done to develop that? Or am I just talking out my backside now? That's pretty cool. I have no idea. Um, I mean, it's just something I do every day. I mean, the thing I do before practice is try to get like at least 100, you know, any, anywhere between like 80 to 100 balls on the jugs and I'll crank it up like harder than Jimmy or Ryan or Matt or Bake or any of the QBs I played with can throw just absolutely shoot bullets at me the whole time so I can just get focused on just tracking the ball and understanding and I'll even have some people like bump me in the back do little things where it's just you have to be able to have feel and take the spin off the ball regardless of how awkward your body position is and it's just like just being comfortable in the moment. Like it's one of those things like I'm not a 4-4 guy, right? So like I have to be able to create my success like at the catch point with using my long arms and boxing out and doing some subtle things like that. So answer your question, I would say just practice and just overall reps and experience. There's, totally. no, there's no way to replace yeah, I totally My appreciate course. that. I totally appreciate that. That's repetition. That's repetition. That's something you've done over and over again. Hey, Austin, you mentioned Bake. I, I'm curious. I, I've always been a Baker Mayfield fan. You and I would talk when you played for the Browns, and I always had his back. I understand. I understand it all. I understand why things went well and then didn't go well. End of the day, you know the guy. You've gone to battle with the guy. Where do you come out on Baker as a teammate and as a player? And you think that he still can be an effective starter in the NFL? Yeah, sure. I mean, everything you said, everything that came out about him, no, it was nothing from guys on the team. You know, it's just once decisions were made, certain people within a building had to justify their decisions. That's all I'm going to say on about that piece. But he's never had any issues with anyone in the locker room. He's a great teammate. He's a good dude. Always checks in on everyone. And I mean, you've seen him gets his opportunities, especially with uh with the Rams coming on short notice, getting his opportunity going and succeeding. So I mean, I was just super happy for him. I mean, he's the type of dude that can hop in and assimilate with any locker room. I mean, fun spirit, works hard. You know, yeah, I mean, he'll he'll chirp a little bit, but I mean that's that's a part of it. And that's why the guys love him. Cause I mean, he's not a robot, he's a real person and a lot of at least the vast majority of the team teammates I played with really, really appreciated about him because I feel like, in my opinion, most quarterbacks kind of have this um, malaise to him, and like Baker exudes like life and brings energy in every room. He, at least, I was in with him. So I mean, I, I really appreciate about 
I really appreciate that about him, just the way how he goes about his business. And um, I'm wishing him the best. Good I, I, dude. I think that's great insight. I really appreciate that. The fact that that guy got off a plane and within 24 hours shows up in a new team with a new team without knowing the playbook and wins. I mean, dude, that was crazy. That was crazy. Hey, one more thing, Austin. So in getting ready for this, even though you and I have talked for a number of years about a number of things, so I'm doing some prep and I'm doing some work and I'm checking your social media feeds. And, you know, whereas most people in and out of sports cannot put their phones down, like cannot get their face out of their phones, you have not been that active on social, which frankly I respect. What is your approach to social media? How do you use it? What do you think about it? Man, how, how much time do we have? <laughs> but uh, need, my long dude. story short, I mean, I I kind of just try to stay off of it. I mean, I'll go on every now and then just mainly see like what my friends are doing, what, like what my people are up to. But other than that, like I, I kind of stay off it because I've kind of in the past when I was younger, especially when I was in college, I kind of felt myself just constantly glued to my phone. So once I got here, I just kind of told myself like, all right, you get a certain amount of time and just get off of it. And it's just like, I'm, I'm not that interesting. I don't, people don't need to know like what I'm doing all day, every day. I mean, some people do it like respect to them. Like I just, I don't know. I just like being off to myself, I guess. It's not your deal, man. Respect. I get it. One last thought. You, we talk coaches. Of course you played for David Shaw at Stanford. What was your reaction? And I've always been a big fan of his too. What was your reaction to him stepping down as coach in November? What do you think he'll do next? That's a good question. I mean, uh, what he'll do next, I think for a few years, especially like understanding like how old his kids are and where he's at, like as, as a father first, I think he'll probably hang out for a couple of years, might get a kind of analyst type role somewhere else. But I mean, I was I was just as surprised as everyone else when he when he stepped down. I mean, it was tough. I mean, one more games there with him than what just about any other time in Stanford's football history so it was tough to see but I mean ultimately you know I wish him the best he's a good man I always appreciate that about him like who you saw on tv was who he is in real life like a kind soft-spoken intelligent human being who wouldn't just put it on for the cameras like that's genuinely who he is so I mean I always always respect coach Sean appreciate the opportunity he gave me because it changed the trajectory of not only my life but my family's life as well that's so cool I'm eternally grateful to him I like that. that I like that that's cool he's real he's real and I'm not even gonna say he's real and he's raw but he's authentic man what you see is what you get and he's gonna tell you what's on his mind Austin Hooper is now a member of the Raiders seven years in he signed there as a free agent he is a two-time pro bowler Austin good to have you back dude appreciate you can't wait to see how it goes in Vegas and it's always good to have you on dude Appreciate you, Ron. Until next time. The beef segment is wide open. Anything and everything is fair game. You know the ground rules. Let's get it. We start in Boise. Ty in Boise is going to set the tone. He's first up. Ty, what is your beef? Damn, I've got a bunch of beefs, man. I'm fired up. My beef is when people say a whole nother. People that wave me to go through a crosswalk after I've just slowed down my 2,000-pound machine so they could cross. And people that say the Jim Romes and the Alvin Deloros of the world, don't be lazy and do better. War Toby in Houston and War Amber in Portland with her hairy-ass armpits smelling like patchouli and talking bleep about methylene. I'm out. Wow, going in on Amber like that. So he went rapid-fire beefs. 
Hey, like I always say, get in, get out. He did, but with like five different things. Get in, get out, get in, get out. Nice job. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Mississippi. My favorite thing about the beef segment is we get beefs from all over the country. I bet if I stayed here long enough, I would get a beef from every single state in the country. Let's go to Mississippi. Clint, good to have you. Clint, what's your beef? Hey, Jim. First time, long time. Yeah, my beef is this kerfuffle between Perry Larry and Methylene. What started off as mildly amusing kind of escalated into character assassination and death wishes. And, and, but in reality, Methylene's takes are a lot more entertaining and relevant. And Larry, your parodies are about as worthless as nipples on a boar hog. So I got to tell you, there's a new sheriff in town, and she's from Omaha. And her 176-pound posse is coming for you. Yeah, let's ride. Let's ride. Clint in Mississippi. Nice job, Clint. 1-800. We're two for two. 1-800-636-8686. Might as well go right to her. Kathleen in Omaha. A big topic in the beef segment. Kathleen, what's your beef? I am fed up with all these bleeping lies about me. I know what the bleep I am not. It pisses me off that the ignoramus bitch in Portland who has never even seen me thinks she knows better than I do. Like, dirty move face, get it through your kumquat pea brain. I'm addicted to Johannes. Stop getting it twisted, dumbass. Got that dumbass? Amber has already been a target of two callers, and we've only taken three. Amber in Portland. Let's try to limit Portland the name Club. calling. All right? You don't need to call somebody a dumbass. All right, so methylene is in. Methylene generally is a target or a topic, but some have her back. Clinton, Mississippi did. 1-800-636-8686. We go to Sacramento. John, good to have you, John. What's your beef? Hey, good to have you, Romy. My beef, I heard my customer called a few weeks back complaining about me peeing in her yard. Are you serious? You've been peeing in the pool I service all dang summer. Your kids are peeing in the pool. You're inviting friends over to come pee in the pool. Having barbecues, partying. Meanwhile, I'm footing the bill on you peeing in my... Ah! I guess five peeing was one too many for Alvin. Not a very good call. I think what he was saying is he had a client or a woman called. I mean, he says it's a client. I don't know if it's a client, but some old lady had a problem with somebody servicing the pool, urinating in the yard. And his response was, really? Because you and your family urinate in the pool that I clean every single week. And then you swim in it. Still not as bad as having a little kid take a dump in the pool, which is what happened in my house. I, I still haven't gotten over that. Dr. Jano will say, like, are you, are you still going on about that? Can you not turn the page? I wish I had not taught her that phrase, turn the page, because she turns it around on me all the time. Hey, turn the page. I'm like, yeah, but the kid took a dump in our pool. 20 years ago, turn the page. Yeah, but the kid took a dump in our pool. I didn't want that party. I never wanted that party. Dr. Jano had a year-ending party every year for all the kids in the school at our house. 
and one took a dump at the pool. And now, now Dodger Jano, and I know she's not listening. She's in Madtown. She would say, yeah, and, and don't you miss that. Now, now that we're empty nesters to be, now, now that, does that change your opinion? I'm like, no. No, I feel more strongly about it now than I did then. What if it had been diarrhea in our pool? Then what? We would have had to sell the house. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Sacktown. Ryan. Hey, Ryan, what's your beef? Hey, what's up, JR? My beef is with the members of the Augusta National Golf Club er, nursing home enforcing their cultish rules on us simpleton patrons. Why can't we run to Amen Corner when last night's Salisbury Steak is running down there to Penn's? Mix in some Metamucil. Also, our, our cellies shouldn't be prohibited because they don't have 60-foot cords attached to them. And then there's the snack bar Sando menu that reads like Jules Shopping List. Seriously, why don't you spice it up and rename the egg salad to the Riverside and the pimento to the Paven? Goodbye, friends. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, the, that call was all kinds of wrong. But all kinds of on-brand for Ryan. A little bit too long. All right, so remember I said earlier in the day, I challenge any of you to try to get on twice. <laughs> Apparently, this is the only guy who's going to do it. He's back. V in the fee. V, what's your beef now? My beef is with my idiotic brother-in-law who needed a place to crash for one weekend. Well, it's been four weeks, five hours, and 12 minutes. He doesn't want to pay rent, and he won't get a job because he needs to, quote, find himself. Well, jackass, I keep finding you on your ass all day. I find you eating my food, and I keep finding your disgusting, dirty clothes all over my house. Pick up your skid-marked underwear and throw them, into the, and throw them in the hamper, you disgusting A-wipe. War the Lakers ring the West and making the finals. Double dip out. This dude... V in the fee. Is any of that even true, V? Or did you just make up that beef? All right, let's get some written beefs in here. Keep calling. Keep calling, beeflings. Jimmy Jam, my beef is with the clothing choices of ladies with extra girth. I appreciate the self-confidence you have to wear pants that say juicy on the seat. But there's nothing juicy about that four-foot-wide derriere that looks like a bag of laundry. Patrick in Alabama. Damn, Patrick, that is a juicy beef. Dear Jimmers, my beef is with my 70-year-old neighbor who is regularly doing his yard work shirtless. Need I say more? Hey, neighbor, put on your freaking shirt. Your pasty white skin is ruining my eyesight. I am too young to get glaucoma, and I really don't want to have to wear those mammoth-sized scuba goggles any sooner <laughs> than I have to. The next time you're out there topless and I have to see those man boobs sagging all the way to the pavement, I'm going to make a citizen's arrest for littering. <laughs> wow, Jerome. That's Jerome in Vegas. Snags. Unfortunately, my beef 
is with you. Not recognizing Tuesday as World Rat Day. This was an opportunity missed to introduce the newest clones to the rat family. In addition, this would have satisfied the Rogan Loam request to bring it back. Rogan Loam. We need to be recognized at least one day a year. Sincerely, Gary Gaetti, Corey Pavin, Randy Johnson, War Eagle, Clubber, and HB. Dude, I don't think that such a thing don't exists. I mean, is there such a thing as World Rat Day? For you clones, World Rat Day is every day. Actually, it's, it's a real thing. There really was a day. If ever there was a day for me to bring it back or acknowledge that the family existed, I guess it would have been that day. Hey, uh, Clubber, why don't you give me a heads up a year from that day? And I'll see if I can remember to do it. At Herman Chad. Quote, my beef is with adult Halloween freaks making an early appearance at work with bunny ears and drawn in whiskers to go along with their basket. If Easter candy with a note, one only, please go away, freak. If that's a real thing, that'd piss me off. Hey, Avi, don't show up tomorrow in your eagle outfit or your bunny outfit. Hey, Rome, my beef is with grown men who text the phrase, okie dokie. It takes real skill to make something that cringy over a two-word text. Well done, dude. Jeff from PDX. These are only all right. Let's see if they get better. Mr. Rome, my beef is when you go to the swinger party. All right, it's getting better already. My beef is when you go to the swinger party. Or the orgy. And you see someone you know. (laughs) This is already a great one. When you see someone you know. Then they see you out in the real world. And they think that it's cool to take a run at your girl. That's not cool at all, Jim. Very repugnant. The nerve of some people. Hey, Darth, am I hearing that correctly? Are you saying somebody got nice with your girl? And then you saw that person in public, and they took a run at her, and you got a problem with that, and you think that's repugnant? Bro, if you—I'm not judging, but if you're a part of that lifestyle, isn't that a part of that lifestyle? I've heard stories about that lifestyle. I'm not judging. I'm not judging. I've just heard stories about that lifestyle, about dudes talking junk, about getting with other dudes, gals. And I'm sure the ladies are the same way. Is that, is that not part of the game? I, I don't know. I've never actually been to one of those parties. I've never actually gone to the party where there's a fishbowl and a bunch of car keys, and you pull out the keys, and that's who you get to go. And then you go find your room. I, I know nothing about that. I've never done the fishbowl game. The only fishbowl game I've ever done was when I was in sales and I would go to restaurants and the hostess would take the person in line to their table and I would empty the fishbowl of business cards of people trying to win a free lunch, put them in my briefcase, go right back to the office and then show the general manager who was always on my ass, look at all these cards I got. I've been cold calling all day. But the car keys in the fishbowl, I know nothing about that. Jim, my beef is with Louisville guy last week. Hey, bud, 
if you don't like our honky-tonks, drunk women celebrating bachelorette parties and traffic, then please don't come back. You just stay in your dirty city and celebrate your famous horse race for two minutes in May in that underwhelming bat factory y'all have. You don't hear anyone ever saying, hey, let's go to Louisville on vacation because it sucks. 100 times worse than Cleveland. It's all factories. Michael in Nashville. It says, my beef is with Rick in Buffalo. Not having starting started smack off season yet. The my wife off. and my boss are both breathing down my neck to schedule my summer vacation ASAP. But I won't do that until the smack off date is set. So please, Rick, announce the start of smack off season so that Mr. Rome can set a date. Matt in Vegas. Fair. War Kathleen in Omaha. Unwarm my ragdoll cat puking on the carpet. Rather than on the tile floor. Oh, dude. Bravo. Preach. Both our cats. And I, and I am unapologetic about this. I love our cats, man. They're so cool. Cody the Ragdoll Legend. Man, I love that cat. That cat hated my guts for 12 years, and now he won't leave me alone. It's the best. I love this cat. But, said cat, does puke. I agree with you. And same with Sapphire, man. Love Sapphire. Like the most, the most loving cat ever, man. These dudes are so awesome. Except when they puke, and they puke a lot. If your cats are gonna puke, can you at least puke on the stone, even the wood? But why does it have to be on the nice carpet and rugs or in a bed? He's right. Clipper Jim, <laughs> Clipper Jim. My beef is with my Wi-Fi. Hey, Tool. This dude just called his Wi-Fi a tool. Hey, Toolbox. Hey, D-Bag. Hey, Tool. How about doing the one job you're made to do and allow me to stream stuff without buffering every 15 seconds? Get bent. Cran and Essie. I like it. Romy, what's my beef? Chalk. Dude is blatantly ignoring my grade A content. My premium bum, fat, blind people, dead celebrity smack is unmatched. Do better chalk. Signed Geoff and Lincoln. War bums using bird poop as finger paint. Geoff, you don't have A content. Grade A content. Dude, the fact that any of your content is seen or heard on this show is a miracle. You had to hit your knees every single night and thank the man above that chalk lets any of your bird poop through. Come on, dude. Jim, my beef is with the plastic vegetable bags grocery stores provide. I spend roughly two to three minutes trying to find the opening of that one mill plastic vault then once i do figure out the combination and i feel pretty good about myself my wife hands me hers and i'm back to being theo at nakatomi plaza tim and clifton park good job tim that's so true how hard is it to open those bags you know for that one potato you want to put in you do have to be theo theo how's it coming 
Yeah, I've got three of them. We'll go faster. Back to the phones. Dude, they loaded all back up. Incredible. It's lit. Let's go to Wichita, Sean. Sean, what's your beef? Rome, my beef is with my local grocer. If they don't restock the bottled water soon, I may have to revert back to the tap. And I'm sure you can relate, being a fellow water snob and all, but I have a hard enough time using that crap for my hygiene. I'll be damned if I'm going to use it to hydrate. That's a good point, dude. I feel you. I feel you. I agree with you. Very practical beef. We do need drinking water. 1-800-636-8686. McKay in Oakland. McKay, what's your beef? Van Smack. My beef is my sales coworker who ranks in the bottom of sales yet has the undeserved confidence that would make Ritz seem unsure of himself. I so badly want a Baldwin, this arrogant know-it-all rep, and tell her to put that coffee down. But the next time she listens to anyone, Rome, will be the first. McKay in Oakland, I am out. I like it, dude. I love, I love sales rep smack. We need more of that. I say I love that, and I think that's the first time I've ever heard that. I know it because I know that life. I know that life so well. I still have nightmares about that life. I have such profound respect. The world's changed. People work remotely. I'm talking about back in the day, cold calling, and so it goes on. Cold calling, prospecting, being in crappy, crappy territories with products that you know people don't want or need and you having to sell and you working on commission or a draw versus a commission and you going back to zero and you having to come into the office with that whiteboard up there and everybody's numbers with you at the bottom damn Rome you talking about yourself yes yes I was terrible well if you were terrible Rome you probably didn't try no I tried really hard I just was really bad at it Nightmare. So I, I've got profound respect for people who are good at selling and closing. There's something to it. Let's go to Erie. Dom in Erie. Dom, good to have you. What's your beef? Hey, Jim. My beef is with people who say, huh, after every sentence. Listen here, you poly walnuts wannabe. Either get your ears checked or you'll be sleeping with the fishes. Capiche? Dom. I mean, it's not their fault if they're hard of hearing, right? Or are you saying that they should say, pardon me, excuse me, I'm sorry? It, is your issue with them not hearing you? Or is your issue with them saying, huh? Can you please repeat yourself? I'm sorry. Excuse me? Pardon me? Huh? Huh? I've had this thing with Logan. He's actually gotten better, but it took months, months and months and months and months to break him up. Yeah? Yeah? Logan, yes. Logan, yeah? Yes. Yo, Logs, yeah? Yes. Yeah, yes, yes, my bad. My bad. Let's go to John in Nashville. Hey, John. <laughs> hey, John, hey, what's your beef? Jim, hey. Hey, Jim, my beef is with the uh, NHL uh, Nashville franchise, the Predators. Uh, it's a Mickey Mouse franchise. I'm a native New Yorker. I've been a Ranger fan for 
over 55 years. I moved to Nashville. Someone gave me tickets to uh, a Preds game, and it felt more like I was at a Disney event than an NHL old-time hockey game. Um, it just had that feel, chicks on skates following the Zamboni with brooms, uh Fans, everybody's all dude up with their jerseys, their caps, and everything else you can imagine. But no one knows a thing about hockey. Uh, ask what an offside is, and they just shrug their shoulders. I, it's it's a joke. It's it's. I don't know if the rest of the NHL has become like this, but it was not like being at a hockey game. It was like people were there to see a show, not to get emotional about their team, because I don't think they are able to. But. That's my beef. Nice job, John. Well done. A New Yorker in Nashville saying, man, what is this? The Ice Capades? Came here to see a hockey game, man. What the hell is going on around here? Is this some sort of honky-tonks? Looking down on Nashville Pred hockey games. He's thinking, is this even hockey? What am I watching? What am I doing? What are we doing here? I like that. He had, he had some energy and some heat for a 55-year Ranger fan. Nobody guaranteeing anything, right, my guy? Like mess. Where the hell is Ron Duguay? Where's Greshner? Where are these guys? Where's John Davidson? Let's keep moving. Let's keep this thing going. We go to Humboldt. Anthony, you made it in. Anthony, what's your beef? Zaglio, what's up, baby? What's cracking? Good afternoon. Good morning to you. Hey, your cat puke beef was way better than Patton, Alabama, and his lame old take on how women with curves be wearing all these different clothes and stuff. You know what? Sounds like he's got a personal insecurity. Ain't that wrong with people with curves? We're all built different. We're all made different. So he's got to take check himself at the door. Sounds like he's got something that's bothering him. It's probably most likely his gangrene-ass feet and his scattered chicklets. War Yankees, War Patton Oxnard, War Pete Ventura, and War Toby and Houston. Crank them out. Anthony and Humboldt. Probably his own scattered chicklets and gangrene feet. In other words, if you got a problem with somebody else, you probably got a problem with yourself. And if you have a problem with yourself, it's probably with your scattered chicklets and gangrene feet. What, gout did not want any of that? Shingles did not want any of that? I'll tell you what you don't want. You don't want shingles. I don't know. I've never had it. But I'll tell you what you don't want. You don't want that. But you don't want the vaccination. But you better, and I'm not getting political with this either. I'm just saying. That one hurts. But I bet it doesn't hurt as badly as shingles itself. I'm just saying, if you want to compare shots, because I'll say it. At the risk of alienating many of you, I do get vaccinated for everything. You know why? I don't want to get sick. That's just me. I'm not judging. I'm not telling you you're wrong. I'm just saying me, I I take the jab. I take the needle. The shingles shot was more painful than any of them. That was pretty nasty. But I bet the actual thing is worse than the shot. Worse than the jab. Let's go to Ed in San Antonio. I mean, why wouldn't I walk off on that guy? This is somebody I trust. Ed in San Antonio. Ed, what's your beef? Hey, Jim. Thanks for the trust. Yeah, my beef is with everyone still upset with Tiger 
in his guest uh, eviction program. I mean, for everyone upset with him, there's four of us in the background doing a golf clap saying, well played, my man. You know, Jim, I'm sure during your tan smack days, you dated one or two potential bunny boilers. And believe me, I did. It's not fun. And nobody wants a nine iron against a noggin. So look at the sign on the door. It says, check out at four, which means four years. Bye, Missy. Like I said, if, I, if there's anybody I can trust, it's Ed in San Antonio. I, I'm trying to rack my brain, Ed, because Dodger Jano and I have been married 25-plus years. I don't think that even back in my tan smack days, I dated any, quote, bunny boilers. There may have been one or two that were heavily infatuated but I don't think any actual technical bunny boilers. I don't remember coming home and seeing any rabbit stew. There it is. All right, nice job, y'all. Now we're done. Let's get out before the suits get on my backside. Good night!